I recently wrote an article at Crisis telling Catholics to consider not voting in the 2024 presidential election. Needless to say, I got a lot of feedback, a lot of response to that article, and so I want to talk about that some more here today on the podcast. Hello, I'm Eric Sam, your host and editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Before I get started, I just want to encourage people to smash that like button, to subscribe to the channel. Don't hit the notify bell, though, because you have a life outside the internet. You don't need your phone telling you what to do. You can decide for yourself when to watch Crisis Point, which I'm sure you do every time. Also, you can subscribe to us, our email uh, newsletter. Just go to crisismagazine.com. You can follow us on social media at Crisis Mag. Okay, so I wrote an article. I linked to it in the show notes last week called What's the Point? And essentially what I did was I said I'm considering not voting in the 2024 presidential election. And I even went further and said that Catholics should consider not voting. Now, I knew when I ran that article that it would be controversial, that it kind of goes against the flow, goes against the, the flow, particularly of the crisis audience. Crisis readers have always traditionally been very uh, politically active. I mean, that's part of our purpose at Crisis is to, we talk about both the crisis in the church and the crisis in the world, and the crisis in the world involves politics. And so there's often articles of crisis and will continue to be articles of crisis about certain political candidates, races, why you should vote for this person, why you should vote for that person, wherever the case may be. So I knew that saying the statement that maybe perhaps Catholics should sit this one out, that that would be controversial. And it was. Now, I had a lot of factors. I encourage you to read the article. Like I said, I linked to it. I'll talk about some of them a little bit more. But what was interesting is the response. Like I said, I expected a response. And sometimes I do this. I, I will admit that this is part, this was partially a thinking out loud exercise, so to speak. What I mean by that is I have not decided yet whether or not I'm voting. And I say that in the article, whether or not I'm voting in the presidential election. And so the the I wanted though to make this a thought project, so to speak, a thought experiment, I should say where I give my arguments and I hear people's responses. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, today at Crisis, we, ra- we ran two articles. Both articles say were, were from people who were arguing against me. They're saying, yes, we should vote. Yes, we should vote. Both of them. And I had some other articles. I decided just to publish these two. They were the best. So I think the, the, the point is, is that um, I, I wanted this feedback and I was glad to get it. And I'm, I will say at this point, I'm not convinced yet to definitely vote or to not vote. I'm still leaning towards not voting, but we'll see. But the responses varied. Uh, the, my favorite, okay, this is my favorite response. And I will admit this doesn't represent everybody who responded, but I just thought it was so funny I had to share it. So here's the email I got. This is cheap shill and I am ashamed of you. Talking about my article. Catholics need to make their voices heard no matter what. Decides this. So sidestep like this is cowardly and you are pretending to lead the way. I think she means pretending. I hope no one is influenced by your article to not vote. That is American heresy. Not quite sure what that means. Unless and until a new and better process is in place, and I hope you're actively working on one after all, we are left with what we have and we have to make the best of it. I believe your words are un-American and traitorous. This voice should be silenced. I just, I just thought that was funny. And and the funny part is, is part of her, this email, 
she actually points to one of my points, which is unless until a new and better process is in place. So she's arguing, she's, she's admitting that perhaps there should be, there is a better process. And my, one of my arguments is, and we'll talk about this a little bit, is not voting is a way of voting for a better process in the future. But anyway, now I will say I'm I'm having a little fun with that that response. I got some also got some good ones. Although I did have somebody just today on Twitter said that basically not voting is like not attending mass because you don't like the Pope. Uh, it's actually nothing at all like that. <laughs> I, I saw some, but I did get some thoughtful responses. A number of people said to me that I'm being a perfectionist, that I don't like the two candidates, and therefore, because they're not perfect, I'm not voting at all. You know, Biden's obviously evil. Trump is definitely not perfect. I've, I've expressed my views about Trump in the past. And so I'm being a perfectionist. You shouldn't make the perfect enemy of the good. Uh, others argued that I'm basically equating the Democrats and the Republicans, that I'm acting like as if they're both the same, and so I'm just throwing up my hands. But actually, the argument goes the Democrats are much worse. And so even though the Republicans aren't perfect, aren't very good in some ways, they're much better than the Democrats. Therefore, we need to vote and vote Democrat. Uh, a number of people said not voting is like voting for Biden. I always get a chuckle out of that because I voted third party in the past. And I always hear this. The idea that not voting is vote, vote for Biden is not true because you're assuming the person not voting would vote for Trump otherwise or would not vote for Biden. Maybe the person who decides not to vote was going to vote for Biden, maybe. So that's just not true. But anyway, um, some people said votes can matter in a close election. I was saying in a presidential election, it doesn't really matter. My one vote won't really matter. Uh, others did remind me the catechism does say that uh, exercising the right to vote is a moral obligation. I address that in my article. I don't think it's an absolute moral obligation. I think it's just a... Uh, it's a moral obligation when I think Cardinal Burke said it best, like when there's a viable candidate or something like that, that you think can, can advance the common good or something like that. Then it is. I mean, like, I know this is reductio ad absurdum, whatever it is, but if, if you had a, a vote between Stalin and Hitler, and those are your only two choices, I don't think you're morally obligated to vote. And I know that's extreme. I'm not saying that's what we have now, but I am saying though, obviously it can't be an absolute moral obligation to vote. Uh, and then I, I thought this was, this is one that I saw today was the art, one of the articles I ran today, which was I'm, I'm being too, uh, too consumed with the effective. Like I said, what's the point? My vote doesn't really matter. And they're saying, yeah, but there's a lot of things we do in the Christian life that quote unquote don't matter. They're pointless, but we need to do them anyway, because they're the right thing to do. And I think that's a very strong argument that you, you don't look at all the practical aspects. You know, like Mother Teresa said, we're not called to be successful, just faithful. So even if our vote is meaningless, even if our vote doesn't do anything, quote unquote, doesn't mean we shouldn't vote is basically the argument. I did notice, though, another thing I noticed was that in general, older Catholics were much more likely to push voting, that they are obligation to vote, whereas younger Catholics either supported my idea of not voting or they're just kind of like, eh, whatever, if you don't want to. And I think that's interesting. It might just be an aging that might always happens that, you know, older you are, the more likely you are to be more uh, engaged in, in the process than you are when you're younger. 
Um, but so those are kind of some of the responses I got. And one thing I want to say before I kind of talk some more about why I think it's it's potentially the right thing to do not to vote is there's a lot of good Catholics who are very involved in the political process. And I'm not trying to say anything against them. Like just, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny. Um, Catholic Vote, the organization Catholic Vote, our friends over there, they're great. They do great work. They um, and it's in their name literally to vote. <laughs> Um, actually, let me take a step back real quick. I'm just, to make it clear, I'm arguing about voting only in the presidential election. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't vote for like your local sheriff. In fact, your local sheriff is probably a far more important vote than the president because you can actually have an impact on it. And that person could have a much more direct impact on your life as well. And we saw during COVID, some sheriffs didn't, for example, enforce some of the COVID restrictions of the state. So I'm not saying no voting at all. Like in Ohio, here in Ohio, uh, last November, we had a referendum to put abortion in the Constitution. And I very much advocated voting in that, voting against it, obviously. And it failed. Unfortunately, it, it passed, which means that life failed. The cause of life failed. I would never say don't vote in that situation. But I am, ta I am talking about the presidential election. But anyway, getting back to Catholic vote, they just endorsed... Uh, uh, President Trump for in the election coming up, which is probably, the, I mean, I'm glad they did it now because obviously when your only two options are Nikki Haley or or Donald Trump, I mean, there is no real option there. Nikki Haley, I I, I really do believe this. I think Nikki Haley be a, would be a worse president than Joe Biden. I say that because I don't think there's any real difference between the two. And she'd be worse because a lot of Republican zombies would just go along with her, her stuff in Congress and, 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 and whatnot. So it, it actually be more likely she'd get things passed, bad things passed, bomb more countries, which seems to be the only thing she really wants to do. So yeah, I, I, I understand why Kelly endorsed Trump, but it was funny because uh, president Trump actually mentioned the endorsement himself. He, he talked about it, how, you know, Catholic vote endorsed him. And Catholic Vote put this on Twitter and it just triggered so many never Trumpers. And I used to be a never Trumper years ago, but I never, I feel like I was never an insane never Trumper. I'm not a never Trumper anymore. But the point is, is that it just triggered people like how terrible this is and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not trying to diminish the good work of those who are getting out the vote, working hard and trying to make a change. I'm just questioning at a deeper level, is this the path forward for Catholics? Is the path forward really being engaged in the political system and 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 voting and 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 acting as if voting is going to make a difference? Is that really the path forward? And I think a lot of people missed my point. I feel like a sneeze is coming on, by the way. So if it comes, my apologies in advance. I feel like some missed my my point. It, they're, they're seeing it at a different level than I am. I'm trying at least to see it at a little deeper level. Like a lot of people say, oh, you're just like saying, I don't like the candidates. So you're going to go, I'm, you're going to pick up your toys and go home. That's not the case. I don't like either candidate. I'm assuming a Trump Biden thing, by the way, obviously I think Biden's far worse. I do not like Trump. I do not think Trump will make a, ma a major difference if he's a elected president. I don't think he'll be allowed to be president. So I think it's a moot point, but the point is, is that I don't think he's going to be able to drain the swamp. I don't think the president of the United States is actually in control of the government. In fact, that's a major point of mine is I think when we vote, we're voting for the face of the government, not the actual leaders of our government. And that's a that's a major point. 
But the point is, is that my point I'm trying to make here is not that I'm saying that we need to um, vote for, uh, and not that I'm saying that just because both candidates are bad, you shouldn't vote. Because the truth is, I've voted third party many times in the past. Uh, I think, I'm trying to think, I think in 96 I did, in 2008, 2012, in 2016, I think I voted third party. Because I didn't, I, I really didn't like either candidate. I'm a big proponent of voting third party. So I'm not saying that because I would just say vote third party if that was all it is. Also, I, it's not about like just on this surface level equating Dems and 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 Republicans. I do think they're far more alike than most conservatives and most liberals think. I honestly think most of this is just a game that's being played in order to make us feel like we're part of a system by acting like there's these two opposing sides that are diametrically opposed. And whatever side you're on is good and the other side is evil. And they're so different. The fact is they're not that different. If you, I've been voting since 1988. And in, in that time, I've never voted for a Democrat. To my, I know not for president. I don't think for any, any office at all I've ever voted for a Democrat. In 35 years, now 36 years of voting, I, I've never voted for a Democrat. I've seen Republicans in charge, in control of the presidency, of the Senate, of the House, of the Supreme Court. And the, the Supreme Court, from all that time, really, there's been more Republican-anointed, appointed uh, justices than Democrats. I think it's always been like that during this time frame, but definitely most of it. And in that time, you cannot tell me that in that 36 years, our country has gotten better off, that our country has, in, in so many factors, in so many ways, culturally, it's rotted to, it's becoming rotten to the core. Economically, it's gone down the crapper in ways that we don't even realize. I don't even think we acknowledge. Uh, internationally, it's, it's, it's gotten worse and worse, gotten more and more involved overseas, become an empire that, that most of the world hates. I mean, in all these different ways, we've just gone downhill. And every election, I'm told it's the most important election of our lifetime. And yet we see it's all going in, our country's going in one direction. Now, you could argue that perhaps the Republicans have slowed it down at times. I'll grant that. I will grant that. And I won't say there haven't been any victories whatsoever. For example, the, and the, the most obvious example is Donald Trump's appointments to the Supreme Court led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Praise God, I've always given Trump credit for that. I've always said we should thank him for that. Yet, big picture, what's happened is, is we have a country that loves abortion, loves gay marriage, is, you know, uh, we're, they're now pushing transsexual crap on us. We, we bomb every country in the world that we can. We dominate, you know, in every in every way, our, our economy is just awful. We print money like there's no tomorrow. Inflation is killing people. I mean, a young person today, out of college, trying to buy a house. Let's say they've 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 rented for a few years. Now they want to buy a house. It's so much harder for them to buy a house than it was a few years after I graduated from college thirty years ago. That's just objectively true, because the costs have gone way up while wages have not. And that's because of government policies. Primarily, that's because of government policies. And so, and that's, and that's government policies of both the left and the right. It's not like it's the leftist fault for that. 
the Republicans have voted for that as much as the Democrats have. And so I don't, and I think that, I think they're much closer than I think people want to admit. So that being said, I've really come to these, I've kind of gone down this path of people will say it's cynicism and perhaps it is. But skepticism, definitely. But basically, I'm going, I've gone down this path. And here, here's kind of the, my path that I've gotten to this conclusion that I'm thinking about not voting. So I, again, I started off as a diehard Republican, Republican voter. 1988, I voted for George H.W. Bush, voted for him again in 1992. And I was, I was vote, Dem, vote Republican. However, my disillusionment with the GOP grew more and more. I remember being disgusted by Bob Dole being the, the, the uh, candidate in 1996, basically as a gold watch for retirement, he became the candidate. And he was so terrible on abortion and other issues that mattered to me. I was like, this guy, he's going to be terrible as a president. And you see that with, I mean, I will admit George W. Bush kind of hoodwinked me in 2000. By 2004, I think I voted for him in 2004, but I was definitely not enthusiastic. And by 2006, I just realized what a disaster George W. Bush was. I mean, he just a disastrous president. We had a Republican for eight years in, in, in the White House, and it was awful. He did nothing to stop the bad things and, it, and did not do any good things during his presidency. I mean, I really do think he was one of our worst presidents of, of my lifetime, at least. I mean, obviously, Obama, Clinton were as well. So that all being said, so I, I became disillusioned and I started to look towards third party. So I like I said, I voted third party a number of years and I, I really started to, I thought maybe that was the way to go, but I've gotten disillusioned by that as well, because I kind of realize our, our country is a two party system and a third party, the best it can do is try to get a message out. It cannot actually win the presidency. Now, it could potentially get a message out. Like Ron Paul, even though he didn't run third party, he kind of did that. He ran as this kind of radical libertarian within the Republican Party, and that got a libertarian message out there. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy kind of can do that today, a little bit, maybe. But my point is, I, I kind of realize it's a, it's a deeper problem than just a third party. I'm not saying third parties are bad. They do, like I said, they can potentially get messages out that are important, but ultimately, they're, they're not the solution either. Okay, so that's another step of disillusionment. I, you'll see my disillusionment just continues to grow. And I get to a point where I, I realize I've got I've to look at something else. The system didn't work. And COVID was another factor. When I realized most of my fellow citizens were fine with democratically elected governors becoming dictators. All in the name of an emergency. I mean, here in Ohio, and it happened to me in other states, we had a Republican governor who basically just decided what we could and couldn't do every day. You're allowed to go outside. You're not allowed to go outside. You can go to church. You can't go to church. You can go to Home Depot, but you can't go to church. You can go to an abortion clinic, but you can't go to church. Now, technically, he never said, he never made it illegal to go to church, but he made it clear to church leaders, you need to shut down. And he shamed them if they didn't shut down. He never did that to abortion clinics, though. And this is a pro-life Republican governor. But what... So that was, of course, my disappointment with the GOP was so deep by then, I, I it was kind of expecting that. What I didn't expect was how many people, regular people, were fine with that. I mean, 
our governor got reelected with no problem. He won his primaries. Everybody talked, some people, I should say, talked about, oh, we got primary DeWine, Governor DeWine, because of what he did during COVID. He didn't get primaried. He got elected. He got reelected. No, everybody supported him. He's a popular governor doing that. And that is a, a point against the system, so to speak. It's not just against like a specific Republican governor, but the people wanted him to be the governor, even though he took dictatorial powers, unconstitutional powers, in my mind. It kind of makes it, you realize we're not actually a democracy if people, if we can, if, if, the, if the media can convince us we're in an emergency, we're no longer a democracy. And then another factor, here's another factor, quote, unquote, President Biden. I put that in quotes, not because I don't think he won 2020, although I do think that should be questioned. I think it's more a matter of we know he's not in charge. We know he's not the one who is running the government. Everybody knows that. Like literally everybody knows that except for him. I think Biden's the only President Biden's the only person who doesn't realize he's not in charge. And so what did we elect? Let's let's grant that he was elected. That he got his 81 million votes. The people want him in charge. Well, he's not in charge. Who is in charge? Nobody knows, except for, I guess, the shadowy people who are in charge. So what happened was, is, and again, I'm just, let's assume that the 2020 election was completely legit. That means that a, 81 million people in America voted for a man to be in charge, and he's not in charge. Was their vote wasted? What was the point of their vote? And then, of course, you get to the point that the 2020 election did have some funny business going on. I mentioned in my article that I'm not convinced that it was stolen. I do think it was rigged. And there's a difference. I, I heard this difference. I can't remember who it was. I was listening to a podcast. Somebody said this. I think it was um, Glenn Greenwald, I, I think, mentioned this distinction. I thought it was a great one between rigged and stolen. Stolen means that they actually, you know, took ballots. They changed ballots. They actually, during the election process, they made it so the 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 winner was no longer the winner through, you know, cheating in the election process. That's a stolen election. I'm not convinced it was stolen. 2020. A rigged election just means that powers that be did a lot to make sure that one candidate was favored by others than, than others. And what I mean by that is organizations that are supposed to be neutral. Obviously, the media has been doing that for years. But beyond that, the deep state, the deep state, I mean, with the FBI and the CIA and other organizations like they joined in on the Hunter laptop scandal and all that. I mean, the fact is they, 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 they talked about uh, Russiagate, like, you know, supposedly Trump colluding with Russia, all these things that have been proven to be nonsense or proven to be true, depending on if you're talking about Hunter or, or Trump or whatever. Yet the deep state worked to make sure their candidate won. That's a rigged election. They didn't actually necessarily change the ballots, but they made sure they they pushed an election. I mean, we know the CIA has been doing this in other countries. Why wouldn't they be doing it here? So I think there's and I, a few years ago, I thought I was a crazy conspiracy theorist for saying these things. But I just think there's too much evidence to point to the fact that our elections, our elections are not truly free elections and fair elections. They're not truly free and fair elections. Even if they're not stolen, they're not free and fair elections. And so what's the point of voting if that's the case? And so 
And I think it's possible. I think it's plausible that the 2024 election, I think it's definite the 2024 election will be rigged. The question is, will it be stolen? And I think it's possible it will be. That even if Trump got the most votes, he would not be, uh, he would not become president. And so I think all these things, you know, like I said, we're voting even if if everything is fair and square, we're voting for the face of government, not the actual head of government. And so this honestly has led me to question the entire system, the, the entire American system. Now, here's the thing is, this is where so many Catholics don't want to go. American Catholics don't want to go. I don't understand why, because there's nothing sacrosanct about the American democratic system. I, yes, I know we're a democratic republic and don't don't get pedantic about, I, I know it's not a true full democracy. But that being said, Catholics should not be, I mean, you see evangelical Protestants fall into this error, but that's because they're evangelical Protestants. Let them do whatever they're going to do. But Catholics should recognize that a democratic republic is not a, a, a um, political system from on high, given from above. Now, it's far better than many potentially, I'm not saying it's the worst one. Obviously, communism would be much worse, but it it's not necessarily the the platonic ideal of Catholic political systems either. I'm not even claiming there is one. I know some Catholics would argue that monarchy is the true Catholic political system, and whereas I would argue a lot of benefits of monarchy, I'm not claiming that one's the platonic ideal either. I'm just saying that Catholics should be willing to question the system. Because what I've come to see is it appears to me that the system as it is right now is a system to keep us pacified. Think about it for a minute. When the elites want to rule us, the biggest fear they have is that the people will revolt. The people will go against them. And so what they do is they need to keep people pacified. I mean, you always talk about bread and circuses, you know, is one way you do it. You keep them fed, you keep them entertained. We're doing that, the entertain part at least. I mean, think about how most people are just stuck looking, scrolling through their Instagram or their TikTok or whatever, streaming, you know, all day and all night. I mean, their idea of, of, a, of a full life is, you know, doing a binge streaming over the weekend. That's, a, that's an easy way to keep people in power. And we saw that with everybody being okay with COVID restrictions. But another way is to make people feel like they're actually uh, involved in the system. That it, they can't really blame anybody but themselves if the system doesn't, if things don't work out. Well, I, I participated. I voted. I just didn't get my way. So I will get my way next time. My way to solve it is in four years. And I understand there's certain elegance to that because it, you don't want to have a system that causes revolts every year. I mean, you have some third world countries where this happens, where you have revolutions every few years and there's no stability. And the reason why America has been successful as a country economically and other ways in its past is because we have this stable transition of power. The problem is what happens when it just becomes the means by which they keep people down. They keep people from from saying, wait a second, I don't want any of this stuff. Like, well, you can vote. You can just vote it out. If you don't like what's going on, you can vote. Now you feel better, right? You can be like, well, I voted. I did my duty. And I guess the other uh, people just didn't want it. But that's not the case. I mean, here's an example I used once, a couple times, actually. In the 2000 
2008, 2016 elections, so 2000, 2008, 2016, the candidate who won was the more uh, anti-interventionalist candidate, the more anti-war candidate, so to speak. The one who was less, who, who was advocating, we're not going to go and do nation building. We're not going to go and, and fight wars in other countries. We're not going to interfere. We're not going to intervene in, in conflicts overseas. We saw that with Bush, his first time, Obama's first time, and Trump. And more, they were more so than the other candidate. Obviously, Trump more so than Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Obama more so than uh, McCain, obviously, and Bush Jr. more so than Gore. Yet, what happened? All three of them ended up, two of them in particular, Bush and Obama. Bush and Obama became warmongers, both of them. Trump, to his credit, did not start any new wars, yet he allowed wars to continue. He, he, he still intervened in other countries. He did not kick out the bums who run our foreign policy. He appointed some terrible, terrible people, the Nikki Haley's of the world. He appointed... And so my point of this is that the people clearly wanted a less interventionist president, and they got John McCain each time anyway. Trump, not as much. I'll grant that. But the, 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 my point here is the electoral process did not give the people what they actually voted for because the deep state wanted something else. Because if there's one thing the deep state wants, it wants to continue the American war machine. It wants to continue the American empire. And so therefore, it's, it's just the idea is that the system might be broke. So therefore, my conclusion is, which I admit I am not necessarily willing to endorse 100%, is that voting is a vote for the system. Not voting is a vote against the system. Like the system is so corrupt and broken, participating in it is just propping it up. And I think a deeper analysis, a deeper uh, look at the system and rejection of the system might be warranted. I, I would I would want to recommend, I have in the show notes a link to it. You can download it for free, uh, a book called uh, Democracy, the God That Failed by Hans Hermann Hoppe. I've, I've recommended this book before. It argues from a kind of a natural reason point of view against democracy. And it kind of saying monarchy in this case is better than democracy. And it has some good analogies, like one analogy I like to use, this is kind of my elevator pitch for why monarchy would be better than democracy, is that a democracy are like renters, and democratic leaders are elector, uh, like renters, and monarchs are like owners. So a renter, if you're renting a house, you know you're going to leave eventually. You're not leaving it to anybody. You don't take care of it as well. As an owner, you own a house. You, it's your house. You're going to live there for the rest of your life. And you probably might even want to hand it on to your, your children. You're going to take care of it better. Likewise, a democratically elected person, they're a renter. They're there temporarily. They're just there to get elected and then reelected, and then they're gone. Whereas a monarch, this is their this is like kind of their ownership of the country. They they have it until they die, and they're handing it on to their their sons or daughters. And so they're going to take more care of it. And now here's the thing: not that it can't be democratically elected leaders who are better than monarchs. The difference is the incentives. The incentives are, are geared better in a monarchy. And that's the argument of Hans Hermann Hoppe in Democracy, the God that Failed. And so I, I just think that what, I, what I'm doing is this election cycle is I'm contemplating 
some deeper thoughts than just, okay, should I vote for Trump, vote for third party or what? Obviously, I'm not, I don't think anybody should vote for Biden. He's evil. And I think it's something, it's a good exercise. And I find younger people, those who don't have as much gray as I do, they they are thinking these things. I find it, it's, a, it's a, something that a lot of younger Catholics are thinking. And I think it's good. Again, I'm not advocating nobody vote. I'm advocating that everybody to think about their vote, think about the system, and think about their alternative ways than just going through the same song and dance every four years that we go through. This is the most important election. If we don't vote for X, then the whole country is going to go terrible. And then sometimes we get X, sometimes we don't. Either way, the country is going terrible. That makes me want to look a little deeper. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I would just encourage everybody to... Think about our system, our political system. Think about whether or not they should participate in it. And if they do, obviously, who to vote for uh, and, and you know what their participation should be. Okay, everybody, until next time, God love you.